What's going on, everybody? Welcome and welcome back. This is Real Reality Realness with Sean Ellis Rogers, the podcast where I, your host, Sean, dives deeper into reality television that most people watching feel is necessary and asks all the questions about what they don't want out. Today, we're diving into the real reality of Your Moms Are Watching. Thea from the Your Moms Are Watching Instagram account takes me on the wildest ride through Hollywood that I've ever taken. She exposes Andrew Cohen for the ruthless exec that we all knew that he was. Drops bombs about Kathy Hilton and the moves that she's allegedly making behind the scenes. Discusses writing the ultimate Housewives trivia book. Writing Amber Portwood's book from Teen Mom and humanizing her for an unfamiliar audience. I officially joined the production team for the show about her story as a developer in Hollywood and she tells me the story of how she inspired a French film about a super fan of Julia Roberts. Lock in while I clock in, cause Thea and I are definitely about to get into it. this morning i'm good you know got the kids off to school having a few hours to myself it's nice i have a i'm just finishing a book it's a like a real housewives trivia book for a publisher Mm -hmm. so i had to do trivia for all the housewives franchises it was like 650 trivia questions so i just turned that in that was exciting very nice i know i know ask me anything (laughs) (laughs) from the beginning all these things i never even remember nice well maybe some of my questions will will spark some of your trivia oh good thank you i need it (laughs) i need any inspiration i can get love that when did you fall in love with reality tv you know i started back way back like i was really into all those vh1 shows you know the surreal life and um Flavor of Love, and then I went on to like the Kathy Griffin reality, and then I I started day one of OC Real Housewives, and that was, I've never missed, really never missed an episode of any franchise, except I skipped a couple seasons in Dallas. Couldn't do it. <laughs> I feel you on that. Right. I have to have you on a new podcast that I'm doing that's gonna be all about Kathy Griffin. I'm gonna no. be going back. Yes, I'm doing a podcast where I'm going to be watching all seasons of my life on the D-list, all of her comedy specials, and just kind of reacting, talking about where pop culture was at the time, talking about her iconic career, because I think my life on the D-list is iconic television. I loved it. Every minute of that show, I was obsessed. I just couldn't even wrap my head around how much we saw because we never had seen things in that detail. And also like how fearless she was. It's so curated now. It's so, everybody is so programmed and trying to portray, right? She wasn't, she just had the cameras and she was like, fuck it, I'm gonna be myself. She was incredible. And like, we, and like, even after that show, we still haven't seen that much detail into somebody's life for real. Like. Like they went straight to the housewives and they got the back to the regular people. And then now it's like, 
that thing, but there still hasn't been a reality show like My Life on the D-List. And I just think that show is so iconic. And so because I do so many podcasts about reality TV, yeah. I was like, I have to go back and talk about her because she's like my favorite comedian. Right, no, totally, she is. Now, what was the moment, the episode, or the season that you knew that you had to create content about Bravo? Um, it was not that long ago, a year ago. It wasn't my idea, actually. It was a friend of mine was like, we should start a meme page because we always talked about Bravo. We had like a little group chat, me and my two friends called BravoCon. It was called BravoCon 2020 because we wanted to go to BravoCon back. And we didn't ever get to go, but we just kept it and named that. And then I have always watched all the shows. So I kind of dipped my foot in the water. I was like, let me just try this whole meme thing. And then I just got, you know, sucked into this, to this little community. But I was very inspired at the time by Summer House. I had just binged it with like COVID, just, you know, middle of COVID and I binged it. And I was very inspired by kind of de delving into what was going on in that show. That's what got me started. And I was like, let me just do a little analysis. And then the whole Erica Jane getting, you know, the husband thing, I really got into that. I started like half my season, just big, huge analysis about her. And then that's how it kind of, people started engaging with me and arguing with me. And that was how it all kind of took off. How'd you land on the name your moms are watching? I mean, it's because these two girls who are moms were like, let's do a thing together. So I'm like, oh, we need to have a kind of a, a way in. So let's be moms that watch Bravo that talk about it. So it's your moms are watching. And then they dropped out day two. And then it's just me. And, you know, I could change the name, but I don't know. It's kind of stuck now. People call me your moms and I'm kind of into it. It's stupid. And people who don't know me write all the time, like, you all, what are you all doing? I'm like, it's just me. You guys. It's just me. <laughs> like, you guys are so whatever. And I'm like, no, it's just me. <laughs> That's you should just create more moms to pass the buck to when they try uh, exactly. <laughs> to like talk shit to you. Be like, no, it's the other moms. It's not me. <laughs> I blame it all on her. I'm the nice one. <laughs> I'm the nice mom. <laughs> I'm totally not a regular mom. I'm the cool mom. Oh no, exactly. I would never <laughs> say such a thing. You should see, I'm sure you get a lot too because you do, you're so face forward, but you should see my DMs on a daily basis. People are just, they're going after you. <laughs> Listen, I ask for that and people don't come after me like that. They don't? No, like I've had a few like debates about housewives i've had debate. people disagree with me right. but i've never had people like come after me i've never had people like send me death threats or like things like uh -huh. that not about housewives or like not since i've been doing this if anything my most like negative engagement with people has been just like talking to people on like socials about like social awareness racism human rights activism things like that people agree with me about like People usually go against me when I talk about like racism and like things like that. But like housewives, people don't even bother. Like, and I be asking for smoke. Like I be wanting people to come after me because I'm the one that's gonna go, like, I'll give you what you want, right? Like y'all be attacking people who y'all ain't got no business attacking. They not gonna fight with you. They don't wanna fight with you. They don't want no smoke. I will argue with you. I will give you what you need. And nobody ever comes for me. That's so funny. I've gotten three legitimate real death threats from like real accounts, real people. You are going to die. I'm like, what is happening? This is not that serious. <laughs> really, for real. I'm like, 
for one second, at one point, I was like, are they gonna actually come to my house and kill me? I really honestly thought that. Because somebody had created an account and they were just, they were like talking about my blood and it was crazy. And I was like, what is going on? Should I actually be, I don't wanna be this like, you know, oh, poor me, you know, I deserve a lot of the flack, I get it. But I actually, for a minute, was like, should I actually be worried about my family? <laughs> yeah, that's insane. No, I'm glad you don't get that because it's not fun. <laughs> it's not the fun. Listen, I, listen I, the reason why I invite it all the time is because I'm truly non-reactive to it. So right. people could come after me all day long and, and like it wouldn't bother me. Like I would just be like, oh, okay, sure. Like I, like, <laughs> I, I would joke with them. I, I'd be like, well, can you at least kill me after three o'clock so I can get my kid off the school bus? Like, <laughs> can we schedule this, uh, the assassination or do I have to just like look over my shoulder? Like, what are we doing? That would be very polite of a of an assassin to give you a time frame. <laughs> do you have a day of the week, you know? <laughs> Do, do we do it over Zoom? Like, what happened? Oh, do you send me something in the mail? Like, just... Like, I would troll all the haters. So, like, I want them to come after me so that I can show them what trolling really is. Right. Yeah, I'm not but, like, well, I want everyone to be my friend. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. But yet, I'll say the, like, most controversial crap in my stories and, and then be like, why are they coming after me? <laughs> Right. I'm one of those people. I can't shut my mouth. But then the second there is any blowback, I'm like, no, don't, don't be mean to me. No, don't attack me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all human. Uh -huh. no. Now, what do you think defines an unpopular opinion? Speaking of trolls and Twitter hate and things. You know, there's definitely, I've had the most you know, popular opinion lately on, on all the Bravo sites, I feel like, because I went after Kathy Hilton. That's an unpopular opinion. 99% of oh. people love her, think her, she's hilarious. You know, all the other sites, there's not one site. So I've, I've been coming after her this whole season and that was very unpopular. <laughs> I mean, it's when you lose followers, it's when you get 700 DMs saying, how could you? I thought yeah, more- How could you? I really thought you were better than this. You know, those kind of real personal. And I'm thinking, you know, I know this is unpopular. I really feel strongly about it. I'm not gonna back down about it, but you know, it's not the kind of thing you're gonna get pop. You're gonna, it's for sure losing followers, for sure. Every time, I've lost a ton of followers yesterday because I said something. They don't like it, it's fine. I really believe in it, A, and B, I'm kind of like you where I'm not gonna just say what everyone else is gonna say. I'm gonna say what I think. You know, I'm a yeah. real person, this is my account. This is what no one understands. My account. I said what I said. My account. I created this. I worked a hard year on it. I get to say what I want and you get to unfollow me or move on. But for to have people say constantly, listen, you need to stop or I thought you were going to. I'm like, what am I? Is this a. Well, I'm not and you didn't. So. <laughs> is this a like a crowdsourcing type of situation I'm in where I don't even understand. Did I do a poll? Like, no, I'm just moving on. <laughs> like, none of you have money invested in my account. Why are you so tight? Like, why are you so upset? No one's paying me anything, so that's- You're not losing anything. Like, just unfollow me. And the thing is, I work hard to curate. So I really think before I post, I'm not just going out there. So if I post it, it's for a reason. I really think hard about what I'm saying. I try not to be careless. I try not to throw things out that aren't true. I really try hard. 
So just trust me that I've got, there's reason for what I'm saying. You don't have to agree, but there, I'm not just saying it to be mean or to take anyone down. I'm saying it because I really believe it. And maybe I believe it because I'm the New York Times and I, um, you know, I've 14 researchers on it, or maybe I believe it because someone told me, but it's, I say it for a reason. So I don't know. I don't understand people that are trying to curate my content for me. <laughs> I don't get it. And I want everyone to like me and I want everyone to have a great, you know, experience on my page. So I'm always walking that thin line between this is going to piss some people off, but other people are going to say, thank you for finally saying this. I've been thinking this for a long time. You know how it is. You just have to walk that line every day. It's a little minefield over here. <laughs> I don't walk that line. Sorry, I don't. I'm one of those people. I do not. I'm one of those people that if you build it, they will come, and and the audience that is supposed to find you will find you, and and, and you're not gonna please everybody. You're not gonna have an opinion that is gonna be universally liked. Nobody is going to agree with everything you say. So you shouldn't try to spend your life worrying about that. You're yeah. right. It's, it's impossible to make everybody happy. But you can make so, a lot of people happy by saying, I really love Kathy Hilton. You really can. You can be the most really happy. Could. Or I really but hate if you, you if, you're in a, if you say that, forget it. You're going to get so many likes. People are going to say, yes, I love you. So, you know, it's not it's not easy to not toe that line. But if it's a lie, then how much are you going to be able to get out of that? It's like, yeah, you may get people who agree with you, but that yes. doesn't mean, but like, you don't agree with you, so what does it matter? And it's also easier that way. It's easier to just say what everyone else feels. You get so many likes and follows and just praise left and right, and it's fun and better. I'm telling you, it's better. Then you post the stuff they don't like to hear, and then you have to hear about it all day long. And you know, I mean, honestly, I shouldn't take my DMs as seriously as I do. I should just be like, great, thank you for your opinion, thanks for your input. Yeah, just troll them back. Be like, thanks, girl. <laughs> I'm really thinking differently. I'm feeling differently about this. And then five minutes later, I make a post saying the same thing. <laughs> See? You've changed my life. Right. Wow. Yeah, You've touched right. me as a person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just make it a joke. Because what are they really going to do? Like, what are they really going to do? That's like, true. who's ever actually died by death threat? Do you ever go on Reddit? I have a Reddit. Yeah, I love Reddit. I know, personal. but I'm saying that when they're mad at you on Reddit, that's what they're going to do. They are going to just go in and go deep. And it goes on and on. And I'm like, holy crap, people. And I want, and you know, I'm the kind of person I want to defend myself. So I want to go in there and just be like, no, but you got this wrong. And no, I meant this. And whew, I don't, but it, I've done it once and I, I will never forget it. And I will never do it again. <laughs> but they go in, they go in and hard and they find anything and they will go back. And it is whew, brutal. It's brutal. I just, I, I, I just feel like no one's ever like died by super fan. True. Well, are, are you sure? <laughs> well, I mean, I not really sure. since you know, not since John Lennon that I can think of. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. So I'm like, you know, like, what are these fans really out here doing? Like, I've never heard of like a, a reality star actually being attacked in the streets by a fan. That's true. I guess your page, your page can die though. Your page can die a slow death. I've seen it. Well, maybe I don't care that much. <laughs> I love, I love your attitude. I'm gonna act a lot more like you, Shauna. I'm, I'm start turning over a new leaf starting today. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I think that I just. 
feel like I put enough work and enough time and effort and thought into my content to where you can disagree with my content, but you can never say that I'm malicious. You can never say that I'm bullying anybody. You can never say that I'm attacking anybody. You can never say that I'm like crossing the line or hitting below the belt. You just may not agree with me. Right. But that's fine. Like, that's perfectly fine. Don't agree with me. But I'm not over here doing anything wrong. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not attacking anyone. So if you don't agree with me, fuck off. Right. Like, grow up. Like, go you. read a book. <laughs> like, it's all good. <laughs> like, go read a damn yeah. book. Like, Get it's off the fine. internet for a little, for two hours. I dare you. <laughs> like, I dare you. Go read a book and tell me how good you feel afterwards. <laughs> Let's reconvene this in about three days. Like... <laughs> Perfect. I love it. That's it. That's my but, new, new response to everyone. Yeah. Go read a book. <laughs> go read a book. <sighs> but tell me why you hate Kathy Hilton. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you really don't, you really don't want this podcast to do well. Okay. <laughs> no, I would, listen, I have a lot of unpopular opinions. I've gone after Andy Cohen on this podcast. I've gone off. I've gone after Crystal Kung Minkoff. I've gone after Kyle. But it's not even going after because I do these things where I address what is without talking about you as a person. So if you do some things that are fucked up, I'm going to talk about it. But that doesn't mean that I'm calling you a bad person. I'm not saying you're you're a piece of shit. I'm not saying you need to go to hell and die. But I'm saying this was really fucked up and we need to talk about it. Right, right. Yeah, Andy so, came in, and Andy came into my DMs once and yelled at me. It was fun. That was a fun day. <laughs> getting, I, getting yelled at by, by Zaddy was was not fun. I pulled my car over. I was like practically crying. I really was. I was like, I, I saw his little blue check and I said, "What the heck?" And I pulled over and I was like, "Did I just get a message from Andy Cohen? And was it not nice?" <laughs> How does, hold on, we'll get to Kathy Hilton. How does that happen? How do you get cussed out by Andy Cohen? Well, somebody, listen. obviously somebody must have sent him a story post that I had and he got mad at me. That was what happened. I, I, I mean, he doesn't follow me. I've never seen him on my stories before. So clearly someone sent him that and said, did you see this? And he got mad at me. I, I was posting, I guess I posted some reunion spoilers and he was mad at me for that. He was like, you seem like you're a fan, but you're ruining things for everybody. Like, why would you do this? And I was like, huh? Like, isn't this what we do? Isn't this my job? Isn't this like point of an Instagram account? You mad about reunions? Okay. Yeah, and, it was, it. and you know what was funny? It wasn't even bad. Like what I was saying was nothing. I didn't, there were nothing really happened for me to spill. It wasn't this humongous like, oh my God, are you kidding? I was just talking about what happened at the reunion because I had spoken to someone who was there and I was like, yeah, I heard about this and this. And honestly, I think you know what he's most mad about was that it didn't seem very exciting. <laughs> so he was, he was like worried people wouldn't watch now because I had said like, well, you know, this doesn't happen and that didn't happen. And he was mad. But yeah, I mean, it was bad. I, I felt terrible. And he was nice in the end. He said, it's okay, I understand. But it was not a good feeling. Just because, and I don't even, you know, I'm not even a huge Andy Cohen fan. I just, you're just getting, you're getting called into the principal's office on that one. And I was, it, was, it was not a great feeling. <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense now. It <laughs> makes perfect sense now. Because I've been trying to figure out why I can't get a response from Andrew. Exactly, and never. I had, I had DM'd him in a panic over some big things that happened to do with Bravo on my site. 
and said, please help me. And I heard, I've never heard a word back. I mean, I have been like, Andy Cohen, I need you and nothing until that day. And that oh, it kind of made me mad. I'm like, oh, so now you're paying attention to me. Like, that's the only time you're ever gonna, but you have because to- Because he only cares about the ratings. He only cares about people watching. He only cares about the bottom line and the numbers. He doesn't care about the real issues. Because listen, yeah. there is an episode of my podcast that is a full blown open letter to Andy Cohen, addressing him directly about all of the ways that I feel like he mishandles black women and the viewers of color on uh, Bravo. 100%, 100%, yeah, and nothing. No response, nothing. no response. I've directly tagged him in stories regarding his behavior with Garcelle at the reunion, with with Ebony K. Williams, with Candace, with Monique. I've tagged, like, because I, I'm one of those people, like, I don't just blindly say stuff about people. Right. I'll tag you directly. Right. So well, you know I that would, I'm talking directly about you. I would and love you, to and you can him, respond for yourself. I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt and think, I can't even imagine how many things he's tagged in and how many DMs he gets a day. I would like to say, like, you know, possibly he just doesn't see it because he's getting hundreds or thousands and he's busy. He does a radio show every day. I would like to think that. But when I got I that DM, like but when I got that DM, I immediately thought, no, you got this. Somehow you open this, you know, thing someone sent you that on my little, you know, page, my stories where I get, I don't know, on a good day, maybe 6,000 people look at my stories on a bad day, like 3,000. So I'm, I'm not up to the, the point where like, of course he's going to see it. So that kind mm -hmm. of gave me a second and I was like, huh. And now that we've been DM'd, now that we've DM'd, you can see now when he sees, you know, it says seen, like he saw your message. And since mm -hmm. that day, I have tagged him and, and asked him about stuff and nothing, even though it says seen. So I'm like, I see that you saw what I said, but you just didn't feel like writing me back because, you know, now you're not asking me to tattle and tell you who gave you the reunion spoilers, which is what he did. He was like, you gotta of tell course. me. Of course. So I'm like, I don't gotta you. tell you shit. Why would I reveal my sources? You don't. <laughs> Exactly. And I'm like, well, you wanted something from me. So that day you were like all over it, but now you don't have time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't care. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. <laughs> In the words of Mariah Hug, you showed your slip with that one heavenly. <laughs> it showed that slip with that one heavenly. Listen. Now back to Kathy Hilton. Why you can't stand Kathy? What Kathy Hilton do to you? What what's wrong with Hunky Dory? Do you know what? Last season, I loved her. I made a ton of memes praising her. Oh, she's so hilarious, which she is. She was such a breath of fresh air on that show. She reposted me. She hearted. We were like besties. It was fine. <laughs> I got a little bit. I got a little bit annoyed when she didn't remember the name of her help. I did not believe her little three different stories she told about that. Oh, I, she didn't want her name on the air. Oh, really? Because now all of a sudden her name's on the air a lot. So what changed your mind there? The or, lady. Now all of a sudden she's Joanne or whatever. But the exactly. Uh, or I think there was like another reason she gave, which is that you know whatever. But the, the she forgot. Come on. You, she, did not, she did not know her. You name. showed the lady's face on camera, but you call exactly. her the lady, and then you yeah. show footage of her. Right. So yeah. it wasn't about her forgetting. Like whatever, you're old lady. I get it. It was the I immediately didn't believe her when she was explaining it on Watch What Happens mm -hmm. Live. I immediately thought this woman, I think, 
sweet old Kathy Hilton is lying to us. And I thought about it for a second. I really, really started believing that. I don't think she was telling the truth. And then my opinion about her changed. And I thought, well, she's just some elitist bitch who lies to us. You know, I would have way more respect if she went on Watch Happen Live, like, damn, I forgot her name. I'm so sorry. I have 45 people working for me. I'm a rich lady. I would have been fine with it. I don't care if you forget someone's a name. A big staff, like. Then there was the precious thing, which I did not like, obviously. That was bad. <clears throat> And again, again, with the walk back afterwards, again, with the whole like, oh, uh, but uh, you know, whatever it was, she was trying to explain that. It was like, come on, just say, listen, that was a horrible, horrible mistake I made. I would not, you know, that was really egregious and probably hurtful to people in the African-American community, whatever, none of that. You got like the whole excuse, like whatever I, I meant to say or whatever her bullshit. And so then I really started not liking her. And then, fine, 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 you know, kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but still enjoying her. And then Aspen came out, and it was way, right after it happened. I'm talking last February that I started hearing things from people in Aspen telling me stories about what she said in the club. And I was like, these are not people on the show. These are not people who care, have a reason to tell me this stuff. It just started blowing in, and I really honestly to this day believe that this woman said some bad things in that club. I really do. I talked to two people who work there who told me story and had no reason to tell me, didn't want me to say their name, didn't want to be involved in it. So I 100% from day one believe she said stuff that she shouldn't have said in that club and not just the homophobic slur. So I, I really held, kept, kept that in and I held it to myself and I was like, well, I don't have proof and it's not on camera and there's no tape, so I'm gonna shut my mouth about it. But when the show started airing, I really started hearing stuff about how she had hired this big, huge attorney, humongous. I mean, I know this guy, I worked in Hollywood. I worked for Julie Roberts, I worked for Jennifer Lopez. I know, the, I know this guy. She had hired him to cover this up. Well, I was like, well, that could be true. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not true. Don't try to tell me shit. Like, I know some people are gonna tell you whatever, right? But then I really started hearing stuff. I started hearing stuff from the cast about how they had always seen Wednesday's episode on Monday and they were starting to not see it. And Bravo was telling them they were last minute editing. Now this is eight months after it happened. Last minute editing because this lawyer was telling them I need to see this footage first. I don't want anything out there about this slur. And I'm like, what is happening? Are they editing our beloved show for a lawyer? This is unprecedented. And I'm getting this information from inside people. I'm not like just hearing rumors. So now I'm really getting mad and now I'm up on it. Now I'm just like, forget it. Like, I'm not gonna be nice anymore. I know you all love her, but this is bullshit. This is bullshit that someone is able to control the editing of the show. And it was really strange. So then the last couple episodes of the season, I'm now that I have all this information, I'm watching the show this way and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you guys haven't even said what they're arguing about. So now we have so-and-so, Kathy and Kyle and Lisa arguing and Erica, but they're not saying because they're editing out the words, well, Kathy, I'm upset because of what you said in the club. They're editing that out. So now we're just getting like Lisa saying something, Erica saying something and Kathy, and it's not the real thing. I know what they're talking about. And I'm starting to get really mad. So now I'm making these big posts about it. I'm like, this is bullshit. You guys watch this episode. You will see it, it's cut to see it seem like it's talking about something else. And it's everyone's so upset and it doesn't make sense. Why are you so, why are you getting so upset? Because you're not seeing the real argument. So I start really like pushing this out there and people are starting to talk about it. And I'm when I tell you, I feel 
somehow responsible because again no sites talking about this nobody knows about the editing and nobody seems to care they don't want to get on kathy's bad side because she's in everybody's dms and liking everybody's posts and they all think they're besties with her and i when i first came out with this whole stuff her brand manager got in my dms her kathy hilton's brand manager got in my dms and told me, listen, I'm friends with your old boss at Julie Roberts company. I grew up next to her. I'm friends with her publicist. You need to stop talking about this stuff. And I'm like, what is happening? Are you using my old job to get me to be- You threatening me? No. And I'm dying because I'm thinking, I must be onto something. Like you just just confirmed my info. Because if I'm full of crap and if none of this happened and this is all just in my head, why why are you in my DMs using Julia Roberts to try to get me to be quiet? That is crazy. And she was in my DMs a bunch of times. And then Marisol from Miami got my DMs and like, you need to shut up about this. I'm best friends with Carol, who works for Kathy. I'm like, this is a major effort to shut me up. And that's when I like went off the rails. And I'm just like every day posting crap because I'm like, no, we're going to talk about it. And by the time they got to the reunion, they talked about it. And I swear to God, I feel partially responsible because I'm like, you, we were too loud. Like you guys couldn't keep this in. So finally at the reunion, for the first time ever, they they aired the part where Erica brings up, you said this in the club, Kathy. And then I just felt like Kathy seemed like she was lying her ass off at the reunion. So that was it for me. <laughs> so so now I'm like, and but the only unfortunate part of all of that was in order to really get the word out about what was happening on the show, I needed to kind of double down on, on Kathy, which maybe fair or not fair like it was a little bit harsh because i'm sure kathy probably said some crap and is probably may might be a nice per i don't know but because nobody believed me and because nobody was wanting to go against her i had to come out hard just to get the word out i was really like antenna and saying bravo we see you we know what you're doing and then also i had to like be team rinna and erica which was tough you know my page is not quite like on board with the with the investment, yeah, it was tough, and that's where I've had the hard time in my DMs and stuff. Is how could you support these women? And I keep saying I'm not pro them. I'm anti this one. And there's two sides here. I didn't make yeah. it. I wish it wasn't. I wish Erica and Rena would just stop talking about it. Let me talk. <laughs> Let me do the, the the hard work. I've done all the legwork, but I had to. So that was the rough part. That's where the DMs got crazy. That's where you know the unfollows and all that. But. I don't regret it because I do think we made a difference. I do think that Bravo couldn't keep it silent anymore, even with Marty. And you know what happened was he's they he sent out a bunch of cease and desist to the media. So they had to not talk. And I know this for a fact. I talked to a page six person who got a cease and desist. So they had stories about this slur and whatever, day one, like you know, February 1st. And he sent out a bunch of cease and desist, and they weren't allowed to print that, right? No one was allowed to talk about it. The cast was told by Bravo, you cannot bring this up on camera, which they did anyway, but they just edited it out. And I was like, damn, we're never going to hear about this. But by the time it got to the union, page six, everybody was reporting it. It was like, cease and desist, we're done. Like they were, it was too far out of the bag to keep it in. And I honestly feel so proud of that. And I'm sure it wasn't just me, but I really, we really did keep that. I really did keep that conversation up. I was like, let's just look at this episode and let me show you where stuff is missing. And people were like, wow. And then I talked about Marty Singer and all that, you know, he's hired. The only reason you hire him is to cover shit up. He's like $950 an hour. He is, that's that's what he does for a living. He's like, you know, Olivia Pope. He's like, I come to so you don't hire Marty Singer unless you've done something wrong. I'm sorry, you just don't. You don't send out cease and desist unless there's something to hide. So that's it. That was my big, you know, Woodward and Bernstein season. I'm glad it's over. I would like to go into lighter things. I'm ready for it. <laughs> it was rough. 
I'm gagged. You're crazy. I literally thought I did not expect any of that. <laughs> I thought I thought this was gonna be just a little light minute about, <laughs> yeah, you know, she treats Kyle like shit, and I just I don't, know. you know, I you know, know, she didn't support. She she wasn't, you know, that like I I I, I thought it was gonna be something real quick and real. Quick. Whoa. Exactly. If you had this information, what would you do? I had to. I had to come out. I had to talk. It was very hard. I got so much pushback. Nobody else was talking about it. That's the biggest no I ever got was, how come you're the only one talking about this? Your little page knows and they don't know. This big page said this. This big page. I'm like, I know I'm not a big page, but I'm telling you the truth. I am not. This is not coming from some, you know, little source. I'm, I'm talking to big people now because they realize you're the only one that know whatever. I'm starting to hear from people all over the place because no one else was talking about it. No, nobody would report on it. So I heard from so many people. So I was so confident with my information and I couldn't keep it to myself, but it was a rough road. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it was a rough road. Have you, did you hear from Andrew during this, during this entire debacle? Yep, Andy Cohen? Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. I mean, during at the beginning, I didn't. I was reaching out to him, like, help, I have this information. I don't want to, like... That's what you were talking about. I was begging him, please help me. Like, I don't want to go out with this, but um, it's really looking bad. Bravo, like, you guys. And he saw that and did nothing. Nothing. And I was like, this is looking bad. And I, I honestly, please tell me you're not editing the housewives for one of the, you know, a friend of. Like, why would you do that? Just show us both sides, let us decide. I know it's not on camera, but like, let us be the ones to say, like, whether we believe it or not, like, don't just take it out. The show is looking bizarre because you're taking this out. I'm saying all this to him. And honestly, before I even posted my first thing, I asked him, what should I do? I don't want to like, you know, I, I love Bravo. I love your network. I don't want to come out against you, but I don't know what to do with this information and nothing. So it's like, I was like trying to get him to tell me like, no, keep this quiet, whatever. But he wouldn't, he didn't reply to me until finally I ruined the stupid reunion for him. And then he, <laughs> he was all over me because I'm not that page. I didn't want to like bring people down, whatever, but no, I didn't have any help from anyone else. Like the big pages. I'm like, come help me take this woman down. I don't want to do it by myself, but nobody, nobody wanted to until the very end, until the reunion. Then a few people were like picking up on it. Like, Hey, wait a minute. This is something, but by then, you know, ship it sailed. <laughs> wow. That, that explains and changes so much in my mind. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Based in your experience in, you know, scripted and, you know, the Hollywood world and all of that, is truth stranger than fiction? 100%. And the best projects I've ever worked on were based on true stories. Honestly, like you can't, you can make stuff up, obviously, a big story, but it's never going to feel real. It's always going to feel like, sorry, it's always going to feel like that's just too, that's just too crazy, right? Like even this is too crazy. If I wrote this, people would say, well, no one's going to believe this part like there's no real cover-up in reality tv like that's crazy that's a crazy story i wouldn't even be able to sell this to hollywood because they would say this is too unbelievable i'm like dude this is happening so yeah i mean i feel like i always tell writers when i'm working on projects or bringing things into a studio i'm always telling them like get something in here that you know about that you that's happened to you or the, a friend with something in here to just base your story off of because that's those are the best stories i feel like 
Well, when you write your book, I would love to be the person to in, to in, to in, in, interview you through the process and host your book tour because I oh, think that is a lovely. That's a lovely book. That's a good read right there. <laughs> I have a, in my highlights on my page, I, ha- I write stories about Hollywood and working for celebrities and stuff. So you should check them out sometime. They're really, really, I really, really work hard on them to tell people good stories for real. How did you get into that line of work? Um, I started, you know, what's funny. I started out, I went to college in New York City and then grad school in New York City. I was four growing up. So I got a scholarship to college, came to New York and just like fought and clawed my way to a master's degree. And I worked on Seinfeld and that show Seinfeld, I did all the um, all the second unit. So we shot all the buildings for that show. So right there, I was right in the middle of one of the best shows on TV. And then I moved out to Hollywood and became an assistant. And I assisted um, Chris Rock and Keanu Reeves and Mike Myers. I worked for their manager. So I had to help them with everything all day. When you, when you are an actor in Hollywood, you have an agent, right? Your big agent, 10%. But if you hire a manager, that's 15 more percent you're giving. So the manager, mm-hmm. really, the manager really babysits you. Like the, the agent gets you jobs, but the manager is like getting your coffee, getting your freaking, you know, fork and knife for your house or whatever the heck you need. I, I mean, I bought a can opener for Keanu, like whatever you do. You're dealing with all the drama, like Myers, all the drama on Austin Powers, all the stuff that you have to deal with all day, every day where they're calling you like, I'm, it's 10 minutes and the crew isn't here yet. Like that's the stuff you're doing. So I worked really closely with actors. And then I went on to be an assistant for Arnold Copelson, who did um, Platoon and Seven and Eraser, producer. And I started, I, yeah, I started being scripts for him. So you're trying, you're reading like a hundred scripts a day, and you're trying to find a project to bring to the studio to make a movie. So we worked at Fox, so I would have to read a hundred things and then find one good thing for us to produce. So that's where I started there. That was my development career. And then I became an executive for Harold Ramis, who did Groundhog Day and Animal House. And I was his executive on his on the Fox lot in a bungalow. I had an assistant and we would just find projects for him, like comedy projects. So I'd meet with actors and writers and directors all day long to try to find new projects, reading scripts, reading books, taking pitches. And then I moved to New York City and I worked for Julia Roberts. So I was her junior executive. And then I worked, we did a movie with Jayla. We did, um, the um the wedding one whatever I forget the name <laughs> but, made in Manhattan yeah, uh, made in Manhattan yeah, the made wedding in, planner no made in Manhattan we did that movie with J Lo so I worked with her every day for like three months which did like hotels and research background and that so whatever and then I um I got MS so I got diagnosed with MS right after 9/11 so I spent 9/11 like with Julia and in the hole like getting her out of the city buying her a an Escalade and filling it with supplies the morning of 9-11 to get her out of the city. We had Tim Robbins work with us in our office and he bought us gas masks. He put our names on them. He was like, this city's gonna blow. (laughs) This was our day. Oh my gosh. And the whole day was about Julia too. I'm like, hello, like I have a family. I have a life. Like, I'm gonna get you out of the city. What about me? Can I get Get my own family out of New York City? (laughs) Can I get an Escalade? Like what the heck? So it was crazy. So that was, yeah, that's my background. And then I just became, um, because I had a mess, I couldn't work in the office anymore. I was like falling down. So I became like an at-home script developer. So like producer would send me scripts and I'll make them better for them or give them notes and work with writers. So that's what I've been doing. And then I, um, so I cover tons and tons of scripts and do tons of notes. And then the last couple of years I've been a ghostwriter. So I wrote, not ghost, but co-writer. I wrote Amber Portwood's memoir from uh, MTV, from Teen Mom. And then I'm doing this housewife book and I work for Captain Lee. I did his one man show. 
that's going to be touring the country starting in January. So we did. A, I did a play with him. So I've been talking to him for six months on the phone and hearing his life story and writing this play, which I'm just obsessed with because I think it came out so great. And that's it. <laughs> I know. I know. We could do seven podcasts just about my life. I know. <laughs> so I. So will you at least agree to cut? to come back for one because i would love to have you back just to dive into specifically your hollywood career because i could do an entire three episode arc on that but i would love to come back and ask you specifically about that because that is fascinating it's great it's a little ancient like most of my tea and my stories are from the 90s 90s and early 2000s but people like, on my page, I tell all the stories and they love it. They love to hear about, you know, my problems with Mike Myers and my, you know, Chris Rock, this, they love it. All the comedy people that were, that went to my, that we represented, like they love those stories, but they're old. It's old tea. I don't have any new tea. Don't ask me about Ryan Gosling or none of that crap. I don't know any of them. <laughs> they were big. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care anything about that. I want to know about you being on set with Mike Myers and Chris Rock and Julia Roberts. I'm 31, so I am like the You're older baby. I am. I am. <laughs> but I'm like the older millennial. So I like, so, so, like, I'm just young enough to like be young, but I'm just old enough to know who these people are and like care about real okay. art and entertainment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So you've like got my full attention. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. You're talking about the era that I care about. Yeah, we're going to have to have you back to talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about the books that you're working on, because you said that you worked on Amber Portwood's memoir. Right. Talk about that. What was that process like? Were you like, like, like were you like the uh, person there with the typewriter? Were you like doing the eight? I wrote the whole book for her, but she, we tried to talk on the phone, you know, five times a week for like three months to get her life story. And then I wrote it out. So she just told me stories about her life or this and that. And then I didn't even know her. Honestly, I didn't even watch the show when I got hired. I was asking her questions and I look back now, I'm like, what? Like, this is all on Wikipedia, dude. But I'm like, so when did you get whatever? It was so stupid. I was so not prepared. But I became really close with her. We really like became friends. And I really, you know, I really empathized with her struggle with addiction and all the stuff that she's gone through. I mean, this woman, you don't, you have no idea what she's been through that she is not allowed to talk about. So my book, unfortunately, I wrote it, but they cut more than half of it because of legal reasons. So I really couldn't tell her story, which I'm sad about because I feel like there's so much if people knew they would think about her differently. I know there is. I know if they knew, they would say they would stop criticizing her. But she can't. She has kids and there's custody stuff. You just can't talk about stuff, certain things because mm -hmm. of all that, you know? So that was a yeah. shame, but I still am like happy I got to know her. And it's funny because when I like kind of defend Lisa Rinna on my page because of the whole Kathy thing, and I really knew she was telling the truth. So she's done all these terrible things and people say, how could you? Well, same with Amber. She's done really terrible things. And people say, how could you write her memoir? But it's kind of the same thing where I really honestly feel like there are very few bad people. It's just like, they're bad, they're good, they're the bad one, they're good the next. Like, I just really believe in moral ambiguity and how we all have the potential in us to be greater, to be bad. I don't know. I, I really do feel like the champion of the underdog in some situations, but you get a lot of crap for it. But Amber, for sure, has a way more of a story that I feel like, and you're never, and same with Lisa Rinna, like, you're never gonna love them and say, wow, all those things you did were fine. But I feel like if you knew more, you'd have more of an appreciation 
for some of the reasons. Not making excuses. That was always the, the problem with Amber. It was like, felt like I was always making excuses for her, even in the book. Because you can't write, you know, I can't tear her apart in her own memoir. Her own memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is that, you know, I have to be obviously kind, but it was hard because some of her actions are just inexcusable. But I mean, when it comes to addiction, almost all of your actions can be attributed to that. And that is a disease. So I don't know, it's weird. I get that. What was the biggest sentiment that you took away from her story? That she, her biggest failing besides, or her biggest kind of Achilles heel besides drugs, um, are is that the men she chooses because she had done been done so wrong by every man, every man. She has three big relationships. They know all about them on MTV. It's all been on her show, but they don't know what these men did to her because a, the custody, and she's not allowed to talk about it. But b. She is not the kind of person to say, he, this guy did this. She's not. She takes all the stuff on herself when in the background, someone's doing shit to her that she's not talking about. And it's actually really admirable. I can't believe she can keep herself quiet about a lot of this. She does it for her kids mostly. And then some of it, she's just not that kind of person. She's like, I'll take it on. Like, I'm not going to blame everything on a man. Like, I, it's my fault for getting with him. But they have taken so advantage. They have stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars from her, like bankrupted her, these men. I mean, she's the kind of girl she'll get with you and give you her bank account like you're not even married. Like, here you go. And they're taking money left and right. And she's so like in love or whatever that she just lets it happen. So money-wise, they've decimated her. Character-wise, they talk about her crap left and right. She did drugs, she did this, she was this around the baby. She doesn't say that they're doing the same thing ever. So it's crazy. So she looks like this crazy, horrible person. And these men look like angels and it drives me crazy. And again, like she's responsible for her own actions and I, I'm not like excusing her, but I feel like if people knew both sides, I mean, they would just stop for a second and say, wow, like this girl has gotten, just never been with somebody supportive, never been with anyone that's not gonna screw over. She opens herself up to it, right? Like she picks these bad guys and is like, is like you can have everything. And they're like, okay, I'm gonna take it. So yeah, pretty sad. That's that's insane. That's the I, I, I love that you took the opportunity to really humanize her because you know I feel like the media is only gonna wait until it's too late to talk about the human side of somebody. You know, people only wait until you're dead to humanize you, right? So true. Um, I'm noticing that lately, I'm like, wow, the second, even like with housewife shows, the second they leave the show, like Ramona, oh, what about Ramona? I'm like, just oh, for Ramona. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That, that woman is horrible. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, she added this to the show just the second she left. The second she left, people start saying the same with people who died. They're like, oh, but they did, you know, they weren't that bad. No, they were bad. <laughs> they were bad. Just because they're dead, don't mean they weren't bad. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. or whatever. But uh, <laughs> um, let's talk about the Housewives book. Tell me more about the book you're writing now. Oh my gosh. So it's the ultimate Housewives trivia book, right? It's for a publisher and they're going to have it illustrated really nice. So I had to basically just cover all the big moments of all the franchises in this book. Trivia questions and then I, whatever come up with clever captions for the chapters. And I don't know, I just handed in my first draft and I'm getting the notes on Friday. So I don't know if I did a good job or not. <laughs> it was very overwhelming to have to go through every franchise and try to pick out the big moments and get them in there. So it was a lot of busy work. And now I think comes the fun part where I can make it funny and you know make some irreverent jabs. 
it's not Bravo sanctioned on purpose because they want to be able to be like irreverent and talk about shit that maybe Bravo doesn't want. But unfortunately, I was going to have a housewife write the foreword and I asked Marge and she said, yes, yeah, she'll do it. And we were all excited. But Bravo, if you have a housewife on your book, they have to go through the book every line and redline it like, no. And we were like, we had to make that choice. Like, mm, we'd rather have the book. Yeah. Then have a housewife in the forward. So that was a bummer because I worked really hard to get her to agree. And we had all these choices. And I reached out to my friend is Phaedra's publicist and my other friend. Like I know of some housewives and I was reaching out to them. And when Marge said yes, we we're like, perfect. You know, Marge is a good writer. And I know. So we're going to have a podcaster do it. And that'll be fine. Like a big podcaster. But but yeah, so I don't know. We have a great illustrator who's going to do illustrate all these. So it's supposed to be like a little, you know, kitschy coffee table nostalgic thing. We'll see how it comes out. But it's nice to get paid to write. You know, whenever you can get paid, you do it. I kind of had to put my own stuff aside for it, but I kind of I feel like it's going to be great. And it wasn't that hard. I mean, trivia. It's not like you're writing someone's life story. It's questions. It's not brain. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a good project. I was happy with it. Hopefully, it comes out good. We'll see. What do you think the, now this is probably gonna be a hard question. What do you think the hardest piece of trivia in the book is? Like what's gonna be the hardest question to answer in your mind? You mean like more the most difficult? Yeah. Or the biggest shocker? Well. Oh, both. Do you know old stuff is hard, man? You just forget, you forget like, when you're going way back and you forget like who who is the first housewife to well i go by franchise so it's like you know i start with orange county and we're taught we're going back to like gina and we're going back to you know the beginning of like tamra and gretchen and i mean really day one stuff too so that's the hardest for me i didn't remember half of it honestly i didn't remember half of the stuff i was writing i'm like this happened you can't imagine the big things i mean we're even talking you know, Vicky and Don, and I knew some background on that. I knew, I know the girl on E who produced the whole Don faking cancer thing, right? Like it was her, kind of her job and they didn't know he faked cancer, right? They thought he really had cancer. And so wow. they, they wanted an exclusive with him at E. They wanted him to like fly out and give him exclusive about his cancer. Don't talk about it to anyone else. We're going to put you on the show. You're going to talk about your cancer. And they flew him to LA and they put him up in an expensive hotel because he was like real diva about it. Well, I want to stay here. And then they went, she went out to lunch with him at the Ivy. And he was like, I need to go to the Ivy. And she was like, damn it. You know, damn it, Brooks. Come on, dude. So she takes him to the Ivy and they're sitting there. And that's when she gets the text. This dude's lying. You don't have cancer. And the papers that he handed her, that proof, were fake. And she's sitting there with him and looking at this going, hold up. So it was hilarious. So they are paying him. They pay him $20,000 to come and be on camera. Now, they, uh, as a network, they don't pay people. They say, we don't pay talent. But they have a little loophole where it's like, they're paying for your life rights type of thing. So you're getting paid to be on camera. But they say we don't pay anyone. So it's like a little loophole. So they gave him a check. And she says, I will stop payment on that check right now. If you don't tell me, if you're not gonna, if you don't give me an interview about this, about how you lied about this or whatever, like the, the backstory to why these papers are fake, whatever. So he's like caught there at lunch. She's there. She's like, I will stop payment. You will not have your 20,000, like done. And he was like having to decide about his 20,000. It was like a big thing. So I had that whole inside story because my friend is the producer there and it was kind of cool. So I was like, should I put some of this in the book or whatever? But in the end, 
for a trivia book, they just want stuff that you saw on camera that's like verifiable, not gossip. So it kind of made my job easier, you know. But I do a little bit of sidebars, like at the end of each chapter, where it's a few like little known facts or whatever. I try to like come up with stuff you might not know or whatever. I actually reached out to a bunch of people, housewives, and I said, "There's something that we didn't see, something that you know," and some of them gave me good stuff. So I hope that's like the good part of the book. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it comes out. I'll give you. Do we know when the book? I love that. Thank you so they're much. Rushing they're rushing it. So hopefully by next spring or summer. I don't know. It's a fast, it's a fast turnaround. Hi, because I'm excited because I'm definitely buying this book. 100%. <laughs> uh, what's the biggest piece of behind the scenes gossip, if you will, that, well, not even say the biggest, but what's the most shocking revelation about a reality star that you've gotten that you're legally able to share without incriminating yourself? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking I'm getting sued every day on this page. I'm like, damn, <laughs> this, is, this is the one that's going to get me. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of things that people don't know exactly. I don't know. That's a hard one. You have to buy my book to find out. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. What, what other books are you working on outside of the Housewives trivia book that you had to put down to get this done? Well, I got because I've been writing all these stories and my highlights. A follower is a book is a published author. She's got a ton of books. And she reached out to me in the middle of the summer and said, you know, I love your writing. Like, you need to do a book about your own story, like a Hollywood book. And I also tell childhood stories. I grew up with no electricity or running water, like eight kids in my family on a farm. And she's like, you know, you have a couple books in you, like the childhood Glass Castle book, and then you have the Hollywood stuff. So I would love to introduce you to my my agent. And I talked to the agent and she said, okay, like write something, write a couple chapters, give them to me. We'll try to like sell this. And I haven't been able to do that because I, I was doing Amber's book and then I did Captain Lee's play and then I did this trivia book. So I haven't been able to do my own thing, but I would love to write. I had a book deal a long time ago for with Harper Collins for my, I used to write an internet column, a big internet column in Hollywood um, called D-Girl Diary that was just anonymous, but like all these from the trenches, slutty, you know, down and dirty stories. And I never mentioned names, but it was a real, real, all about development and what we did out there, basically sleeping with everybody and all that stuff. And um, I got a book deal for it from HarperCollins. But my publisher was the publisher that published the um, OJ book, the If I Did It book. And she got fired. So my book went with her, unfortunately. So I was close to having my own book. And I even had Darren Starr from Sex and the City even signed on to make it a TV show. Like, I went to the... the season finale party for Sex and the City with him. And he said, introduced me to everybody. He said, this is the new Candace Bush now. You're going to love her her show. But it, we had 9-11 happen. And then we had the whole Judith Regan got fired. So I kind of just didn't look back. But I could do something again. And now it would be a nostalgia thing, like the 90s background Hollywood. Just about to say, like, with the nostalgia of the 90s and the 2000s being ever present. Right, right. How, like, what, 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 to tell me this is an exclusive. Tell me you're just joking and that you're already doing this and that it's in, in, in development and that you pulled out the old manuscript that you've blown the dust off of it. Because you have to, you have to do this. And where can I apply to be an intern, <laughs> field producer, go get coffee? What do I need to do to be I a have part to tell you, it is like my show, my show, or my, and I think it could be a good TV show. It would be like, 
So my character D girl is like Bridget Jones, right? Like she's totally a bottom feeder. She's not popular. She's like doing anything she can to get ahead, which is totally me, but like on steroids. So it's like Bridget Jones meets Sex and City meets Entourage, right? Like the behind the scenes, like the down and dirty of these development people that were in Hollywood. They're D boys and D girls. And we all of our jobs are like to scurry around Hollywood and get projects, right? Like we'll do anything. And we're at all the premieres, at all the birthday parties, Jennifer Aniston's house. Like we're everywhere, these D people. We went to Sundance. We're everywhere because that was our job. We all had expense accounts, unlimited. Like just get us the projects. Like we need the bit next big movie. They do not care how we got it. And we got it and we did it. And it was 99% of it was from like hooking up with agents, like being at the right party, being at the right drinks gathering. So it's great, right? Like how cool is that for TV to like see the side of Hollywood you don't see? These little script people, that's what we were. Like little, you know, we all had these bags full of scripts and we all had these, you know, we're meeting with writers, we're meeting with directors. We met everybody because everybody wants that studio, just wants the next big movie. And it's, what's that, hundreds of millions of dollars if you get the right one to them. So they don't give a crap, they're throwing money at us. I mean, my company had a $30 million a year deal with Fox. So that's how much they paid my company just to bring them movies because my boss had done seven and Eraser and Platoon where he won Academy Awards and he had all these great movies, Falling Down was our movie. So it, it was really like a fun, amazing, and we were all young and we were all like semi-smart, semi-attractive, like just like kind of in there, you know what I mean? So it was great, yeah. it was a great time. They don't even have it really anymore because um, budgets have been tightened so much. There are development people, but not like my day, not in the 90s where they were throwing money at us. Now it's kind of like they're there. There's like one junior exec that's in charge of notes on projects and in charge of finding things. But it's not like whole companies full of these development girls and boys. So I think it would be great. I think it would be a great TV show or movie. I don't know, probably a TV show and a great book. I think it would be a great TV show. I think that's Netflix's biggest hit. I think that's Netflix's next big hit. I think that you should be getting somebody on the phone. I think I feel like when this show does does um go out and like they start doing the releases for it i'm going to re-release this episode and be like i had the exclusive i told y'all this was happening i knew it we manifested this together on the phone together no you were you're you're, you're inspiring me to go back to it i just got a little sidetracked because i was making some money for my family with these paid jobs because this kind of thing you have to do in advance right you have to do all the work and then get paid and that's the hard part for like my husband to give me that kind of time to do something that i won't get paid for till after but i do believe in it i mean if if Darren Starr signed on to my project and took me to his finale party, there's something here, right? Like there's something that, like he was the biggest, that was right in the middle of Sex and the City. So he was the biggest producer. And if he signed on and was like, I want to do this show, there, it's there. But it's just, you know how life is, it just takes you to different places. And you're like, so this, this site in the past year, and I started a year ago writing these stories, has really like, made me feel confident again and like what I have because I tell these stories and I get like hundreds of DMs like this is amazing like so I think I write them in a good way and also it's just fascinating for them to see from a real person who was there this is not you know Dumois and non like I'm there I was there I saw this I saw this like I tell this story in my highlights about this is true story on my life on my life I was a caterer when I first moved to LA. I needed to, I mean, I was an assistant, but you don't make money. You made like 35 grand before taxes. So I had a caterer at night and I catered for only celebrities. So I catered the New Year's Eve party for Leonardo DiCaprio when he did Titanic. It was his party. He bought a house, wow. in the hills. he bought a house in the hills just for this night, he sold it the next day. And the party was at this house. And I went there with my friend 
And Leo, it's like nine o'clock, we're setting up. He tells me like, no food. I don't want this party to look catered. Just put chips and salsa. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? This is amazing. And he gave us ecstasy, which I'd never done in my life. And I didn't do it that night, which I wish I did. But at that point, I had never done them. Now I'd be like, give it to me. But my friend did oh, it. Boy. My friend did it that I catered with. And he took it and his friends came. And Joaquin Phoenix and Tobey Maguire, they were all there. And he made out with Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> like five inches from me because they were on ecstasy. And I told this story in my and I said, people, they're not gay or anything. It was just, um, it's just ecstasy, right? Like I've done it. It's like, just ecstasy, yeah. But it was just a funny story that no one, you know, no one would ever. And he just came out recently and said, I've never done drugs. I'm like, dude, come on. You were giving us like candy. But they liked the fact that I was there. Like, this was it. This happened. I'm going to tell you the whole story of this night because it was hilarious. And I was there. Like, I don't care what anyone says in the world about this story. Not, not true. It's true. It happened. I was there. There, you know, I staked my life on it. But I think people like those kind of stories because, you know, I'm not, it's not a rumor I heard. This is not like some email I got. Like, this was just me there. And this is what I saw. And this is what went down. I tell stories too about Julia. Like, I'm like, whatever this story you people have. I was there. It is not a true story. <laughs> it was not. So you understand that what you have right now is a backdoor pilot for the Sex in the City reboot and just like that, right? I feel It'd like be way better. It'd be way better than just like that, which which is horrible. It'd be so much I better. I agree. Like let's just revamp this whole thing. You can have the same I, style. You can have the same kind of like formula with the four girls, all that. But just put it somewhere different. We don't care about girls walking around New York anymore. No one's even walking around New York anymore. It's dangerous there. <laughs> but I feel like there's an episode of the show where one of your D girls meets Carrie and like is like, oh my God, I was around at this time and da 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 da. Like, I remember when this, that, and the third. And the whole episode is like a flashback that goes into the world of this D girl that Carrie just happens to be an extra in. And like, she shows up just to tie it through, right? But like, it, it goes into this whole world and like, you introduce all of the characters in the world and the atmosphere and the this. And then it goes into this spinoff of like this new wave, new generation type of version of Sex in the City set in the actual time period of the 90s. So true. That Yeah, I need you. I need you on this. I'm going to send you pages. You're going to tell me what you think. You're in. You're Listen, in. Executive producer, Sean. <laughs> actually, an aspiring producer. So I'm really invested in this. So if you really oh. want to work, like, I will gladly work on this. Like, I this is, By the way, this is how people always ask, like, what, how, what's a producer? This is a producer. All a producer is is somebody who believes in an idea and takes it, right? Like, that's all you do. You don't have to write it. You don't have to come up even with ideas for it. You just need to be the one that's like, do this. This is something. And you're the producer, right? And then if I ever sold it, like, I attached you, that's it. Like, no, this guy's a producer. Well, they want the project. They're going to put you on it. That's all you do. It's amazing. I mean, producers, producing is the best job in Hollywood, I feel like, because it's like you're there on the ground floor, but it's all about your passion for it. It's all about you're not taking no, you're going to the next person, like, I don't care. And then it finally gets made or whatever, and you're on the red carpet. But it's definitely, you can definitely do it. <laughs> That's all, my long-term goal is, is to be in production. That's my long-term goal. All you're doing is cheerleading. You're cheerleading this person. Like, let's go. I want to see 10 pages. Are you doing this? What are you doing today? You need to get this. That's it. It's amazing. Well, I actually was a cheerleader in high school, so I can do that I, too. I see that. <laughs> oh, you're a hype man for sure. Well, listen, I am, listen, 
don't tempt me with a good time. Cause this is <laughs> lit. like, I genuinely, genuinely believe you, ha- you have an amazing show on your hands. And anything that I can do to facilitate being a cheerleader for this process, I am 1,000 million, 1.4 million percent <laughs> in for, cause I want to see this happen. Like I wanted to, so what, so what, so what, so who do I need to get coffee for? <laughs> Where do we need to go? Well, what I ha- Starbucks do I need to beat you at? <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. It's just, it's just inspiring me to go, to do it. You know, writers write, that's it. I need to do it. That's all. And obviously I have all the material. Like I said, please go into my highlights and read just a couple stories. You'll see the celebrity picture. If you want to pick a certain celebrity, you want to hear a story about, or there's like the my impoverished childhood stories. They're always a good palate cleanser <laughs> to hear about. I grew up with no electricity, but pick a story and read it and you'll see my style right away. I feel like it's really like the selling point, my calling card on my page. People, it's like a little secret thing. Like they come on and they're like, wait, you work for, I'm like, listen, go to my highlights. It's all there. <laughs> I tell all I'm, the students. <laughs> I'm absolutely doing that. I am on your page right now. <laughs> all yes, the God. Circles, all the little circles, <laughs> you'll see. Absolutely. Listen, I will stay on your ass about this because <laughs> I want it. Like, I want to hear more. I want to read more. I want to know what's going to happen. I want to see it on TV. Like, I want to see, see like you doing shows about like a young Julia Roberts and like, like a younger Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, who doesn't want to see Leonardo right. DiCaprio in his early 20s doing ecstasy and making out with, with, with Joaquin Phoenix through the lens of like just a, just the young girl that's just at the party because she has to be there for work. Like, oh. No, yeah, exactly. I'm like, what is happening? He's running around at 10 p.m. with a little Happy New Year's hat going, is anyone gonna come to my party? No one was there yet. I'm like, Leo, you're in Titanic. People are coming. I mean, we ran out of alcohol by midnight. I was like calling up liquor stores. Like, you need to get, this is Leonardo DiCaprio's party. Get me some more alcohol. That's how many people came. And he was like, do you think anyone's gonna come? I'm like, who sees this side of people? It's crazy. Catering was crazy because we did cater for all the big ones. And I know everything. I'm in their kitchens. I'm in their houses. Like, honestly, think my catering stories in some ways are better than my D-girl stories <laughs> because you're really in the trenches there. You're really seeing what's going on. <laughs> I have to have you back for at least two episodes. Because <laughs> there's a whole episode. I know you have a list of questions and I hijacked this whole podcast. I'm so sorry. I don't mind at all. I would rather have this type of conversation than just reading through a bunch of questions. This is a better interview than I could have ever asked for. Do not apologize at all. Because I, love, I feel I like, like- What's up with Kathy Hilton? And I'm like, okay, sit back. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. That's what I, but you gave me exactly what I asked for. Because like, I think there could be a whole follow-up just about your catering and like being an assistant and then a whole follow up to that about your development career and then we could get into the um d-girl stories and about how we're gonna bring this to, to television because we are and i believe in that we we are manifesting that okay, but spe- speaking of development tell me about captain lee's play oh this is so exciting i'm telling you right now I started this a long time ago, I'm say almost a year ago, where I was hired just to help him, give him a, like some bullet points. He, he, he gets hired at these theaters and people come at evening with Captain Lee, right? And they pay tick for tickets, you know, 50 bucks, whatever. And he stands up there and 
and talks about stuff. And he was saying, I hate this because I feel like they're paying a lot of money. I'm just up there riffing. I would really like the evening to be a little more exciting, like a little more, not scripted, but just give me some like ideas of structure. things. That, right, structure. So it was going to be a quick thing, you know, a couple thousand bucks. I'm just going to do it. And it ended up being a whole evening, a scripted evening, one man show about his life. I'm talking like costume changes. I'm talking songs and dances, everything. We just like, I don't know. I got to know him and he's so fascinating. He has so much to talk about. He has such an amazing life. I was like, Captain Lee, we gotta, I just gotta start writing this stuff. And I did, and I didn't ever take another penny from him. And he sold it to the um, mass singer producers. So they're producing it now. They stepped in and they're gonna take it across the country because it's that good, it's that good. And honestly, I think it is the best thing I've ever written. It's a play, I've never written a play. I was like a play. I was hired to do bullet points. But I, and he didn't ask me to do any of it. He just was talking so much and I had, so, there was so much material. I'm like, I just have to start writing this. So I just started writing it. And he gets up there and he tells little stories and then he'll do like games with the audience, you know, like um, like uh, comebacks, right? Like they say something and he does one of his good, like, you know, you can stick that up here or whatever, you know, his good <laughs> on the show. So I have whole segments like that where he interacts with the audience and he does games with them. And then there's just all these scenes from his life where he, you know, actually like sits at a table and is having dinner with like a little bit of like pantomime and talking. And he's like, I don't like, I don't feel comfortable talking to, a, to nobody. I'm like, listen, it's theater, it's theater. So I took him out of his comfort zone a bunch of times. He talked about his son and I think we did it really well. So I don't know, man, I think this show is amazing. Like you laugh, you cry, you get to know him, you hear things about his childhood that are just insane. I had to cut back a little bit cause he was like, that's too much. I think there was one story he told me where it's like um, this bully in high school and he was really bullied because he was little. I mean, not high school, like seventh grade. And the bully later on, he got decapitated, I think. It was something terrible. And Captain Lee's like, oh, I don't think we can say this. I'm like, you gotta say he got decapitated. So I had to take that part out. But I'm like, he met his end. He met an unfortunate end, I ended up saying. But it's like, that's how crazy his life has been. So it, that other than that, we're really like honest. I mean, you really go there and you know him just like I know him now, which is just like hanging on his every word. And that's it. He just needed someone, I think, to just, you know, get it out of him. And that's what I did. And then they sold it. I'm just, this is so crazy. And I really am proud of it. And he's working so hard on it. It means so much to him to be able to do these shows and have people really like walk out of there and say like, that was the most amazing evening. So I really like put myself into it. It's funny and it took so much time and I put so much into it because I was so into it. That's it. You know, his wife, Marianne, sent me a little like handwritten check in the mail with their home address on it for $2,000. Like this is like eight months ago. And I'm like, I'm not asking these people for more money. Like that was Marianne's money. So I, I just did it. Like I just kept going on it. And I was like, I don't care. There's some things you do, you know, it's not for the money. It's just because you care about them and you feel strongly. And I remember when I handed it in, when I, my first draft and his manager was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm like, you're, I'm telling you, this night is going to be, this night is going to be life changing for people. I hope, I mean, I might be overselling it, but I'm not kidding. It really came out great. And you would, you go to that and you're really going to be surprised at who he is and what he's come from. It's crazy. That is amazing. How are you not a producer on that? I mean, again, like I'm not into it. I'm not into producing. I, what used to be my dream, at first I went, I was a directing major and then a film master degree and I wanted to make movies. And then I went to development. And, that was my track, was producer track. Like that's what happens when you're a D-girl, you end up being an assistant, then an executive, and then you're a producer on everything you brought in. But I stopped short of that. 
I like to be, I really like to be behind the scenes. I like to be, I'm going to blow your mind right now though. You want to hear one last thing before we go? You're, I'm going to blow your mind. You ready Absolutely. for it? Okay. Of course. So, Please, thank when, you. I, when I worked for Julia Roberts, uh, okay. I, I answered the phone one day. I'm not, I, there was an assistant, but she was away from her desk. So I answered the phone. I say, Shulay's Productions. And this little girl, like you hear her little French voice. She goes, hello, it is Julia Roberts office. I'm like, yes, it is. Like, how can I help you? She goes, I have a movie I made for Julia. I would just like to come there and give it to her. Of course, no, you're not fucking coming to our office to see Julia Roberts. Like Julia was in our office a lot. She lived two blocks away. Like this is not happening. Wow. I go, sure, here's the address, just bring it by. <laughs> because I never answered the phone and I was just, she sounded so sweet. So this girl was 18. She got on a plane from Paris. I don't know this. She flew overnight. And the next morning was in my office crying with this little short film she made called Calling Julia Roberts about how much she loves her. And she had a little journal she wrote and she's shaking. And I'm like, holy crap, what have I done? Like this girl's a crazy fan. She's in my office. I'm gonna get fired. I take her movie, I'm like, goodbye, goodbye. Like, get out of here. <laughs> and she flies back to Paris. Well, that was 20 years ago. And can I tell you something? This girl wrote, yeah. she wrote a screenplay about that. Universal bought it. They made it into a feature film and I'm flying out to the premiere in a month. And there's a character, Thea, and the whole thing, how it inspired her life. And actually Dana Wilkie, you know, Dana Wilkie is coming with yes. me to the premiere. She's coming with me to the premiere in Paris. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but she's like, I gotta go with you. This is too big. I'm like, listen, have you had a movie? <laughs> is that crazy? It's a feature film. It's a big budget. She actually, I went to visit her on set in New York and she goes to me, come see the movie. I said, you know, what's this gonna be? One camera on like a little indie, whatever. No, I pull up, the whole block is camera trucks with the name of the movie on it. The hotel in Soho is booked for her whole movie. It's all like completely closed down for the movie. I go upstairs to the rooftop bar and there's a hundred extras dancing with music. I'm like, what is happening? And they had, the reporters were lined up, French reporters lined up to talk to me and say, how does it feel to inspire a whole movie? I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. Am I on camera? They still, they're using in the movie at the end credits, they have a picture of me and her from that day because I wasn't even dressed up. I had a little beanie on, it was cold. I didn't know I was gonna be on, you know, on film talking about how I inspired a whole movie because I let her come to my office. Cause we became friends. She came to my wedding. I went and visited her in Paris. Like we, we've, we've been friends this whole time ever since that day. She is like the sweetest girl wow. now. She's a grown woman, you know, 40 something. And she made this movie and she directed it and Universal bought it. It's amazing. That's my story. It's a pretty good story, right? <laughs> You have all the stories. That is fucking incredible. That's my best story though. I can't even believe it's happening. When I went to that set in the in last winter, I'm like, what is happening? I'm in like another universe that there's my character. There's my office. They had a whole office of Shoelace Productions with my office. I'm like, what is happening right now? They, they're filming in front of the, you know, where our offices used to be on the street. I'm like, is this real life? Like, what? You have my office. And I'm, that's my, I met the girl who plays me. She's like, oh, you're the real Thea. I'm like, Thea? Like, <laughs> like it's my name. So I'm excited about the premiere. I'm going, I'm flying to Paris by myself. Dana's meeting me there. We're going to the premiere. I got Real Housewives in the house. <laughs> I got when does the movie come out? Uh, December 14th in Paris, but it'll come over here. It's a, it's a half of it's in English because all the parts of me are in English in New York and then half it's in French, but they're going to subtitle it. So it's a French movie, but it's going to come here obviously because it's really about 
French people loving American movies and how American movies like changed this girl's life and her love of Julie Roberts changed her life and the fact that she was 18 and said, I'm getting on a plane, I'm going there. And she went and she feels like it changed her life just being in that office and knowing me and just the rest of her life like kind of changed because she said, you know, that's the whole theme of the movie is she did, she followed her dream and she was like, I'm doing this, I'm going. And she felt like that moment of being there in that office changed her life, <laughs> which is what? crazy. What's the name of the movie? It's called It's called My Heroine. So Mom Heroine is my heroine. And her name's Noemi Laporte. If you if you Google it, you'll see all kinds of she's touring France right now, um, premiering it in all these different film festivals. So she's been to like 40 cities in France. And then the big premiere is the 13th that I'm going to with Dana. And then 14th is when it comes out. So it's already gotten amazing reviews. It has like a 97% on the French Rotten Tomatoes. Because it's a, it's a real feel-good movie. Like, you know, Europeans love those kind of cheesy with the music and the, you know, her she, you know, is a fairy tale. So it's great. I mean, it's very fictional after like her meeting me. It's, she kind of goes off on this whole story. So it's not it's not exactly. But she says at the very beginning, based on a true story. And that true story is our story. Like that's the true part of the movie. That is absolutely mind shattering. Right? I feel like that is it for me. Someone asked me on my AMA, they're like, what's your biggest accomplishment? I'm like, I know I didn't make this movie, but this is my big, this movie is my night. This is going to be my night at the premiere. Yes. <laughs> I'm not Noemi, but I'm going to be there. I'm the real Thea. I'm coming to the premiere with Jana Wilkie and I'm going to represent. <laughs> it's so funny. Because I didn't do any of it. I answered the phone. I said, come here. You know, sure, come over. That's all I did. I gave her the address. <laughs> oh my God. That is, you literally changed someone's life. I know. <laughs> I guess that's my idea of sharing it with everyone. It's like, okay, this isn't my thing. But like you being nice one day on the phone could be, I just felt like I was in a good mood. She had been calling all week. All week she had been getting hung up on the assistants that were like, no, you cannot come here. No, we don't accept unsolicited submissions. Like, no. They hung up on her every day until I answered. Wow. <laughs> she called Wow. Every I know. I'm like, okay, sure. Bring it by. Like immediately I knew I did something. Immediately my stomach hurt. I'm like, oh no. I'm getting fired. I'm getting fired. I, I am. My old boss who was in our office, who was Julia's producing partner, but now she's JLo's producing partner. I told her, I said, Elaine, I got to tell you something. There's a movie coming out. I did a bad thing when I worked for you. Please don't judge me. <laughs> like I never told her because I would be fired. She would say, okay, you're fired. Like you can't let a fan in this office. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I had to tell her because I'm like, you're going to hear about this movie. They've already like, you know, it's universal. You're going to hear about it. I just wanted to say in advance, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause I'm still friends with her. <laughs> You just told her? Well, I told her like four months ago when when the, when the, I knew the movie was going and whatever. I'm like, okay, this is happening. Like, you might see this movie. You know, all the way up until then, I'm like, well, people make movies. People do that. It doesn't mean it's going to be in a theater. Like, I don't know where this thing is going, but now it's happening. And I'm like, okay, there's a good chance someone's going to say, have you seen this movie that's set in your offices? So right. Like, what was that conversation? Like, hey, by the way, so I did a thing like 20 years ago and there's a whole like major motion picture being made about the time I let a fan into your office but didn't tell you about it because I didn't want want you to fire me. Um, do you want to go to the premiere with me? Yeah, exactly. Well, we, we were supposed to do a screening in New York and I was I want her to come with me to see it, but it, it got canceled because Julia, this is some inside scoop for you. Julia was not happy with um, her latest movie with George Clooney that 
whatever that's called, Trick, Ticket to Paradise. She wasn't okay. happy, so she was mad at Universal because it's their movie. And so therefore she wouldn't, they didn't want to do a screening in the summer because they didn't want to piss her off and do any more like Julia related. They were worried that she wouldn't do press for that movie. And they were like, we're going to hold off and we'll do a screening, but we'll do it here like in the winter or whatever after the movie premieres in Paris because they were scared of alienating her. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Our little movie, they were like, wow. so we didn't do a screening, which, but I was going to take Elaine for sure. Cause I, I mean, Noemi, it would be her dream to have Elaine see it or whatever. So I would have done that if she would have agreed to come. And then the girl that used to be an assistant there is now runs Julia's company. So we would have had her come. And I was just telling somebody yesterday who was Tim Robbins assistant. I helped her with a script and I was telling her about it. And she was like, what? I'm like, listen, this is happening. you got to get on board. This is our life on camera. <laughs> you got to see, I sent her the, the trailer and she was like, I am like in another universe. I'm like, listen, you think you are? I think I feel, that's me right there. <laughs> Please send me the trailer. I would love to put the link in the description of this episode so that the people can watch it. I mean, it's in French, but the girl, my lines are in English and I start the trailer. Like my girl, Thea, answers the phone the very first second of the trailer and she says, Shoelace Productions. And then the girl says, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, she hangs up on her. Like, this is fiction because I didn't hang up on her. But I guess she's trying to make the point that like, she got hung up on a bunch of times before I would agree. But um, yeah, I start the trailer. Like, that's me. And then there's a bunch of scenes in our office, but the trailer is in French, but they will have the movie subtitled when it comes here. <laughs> And the premiere will be subtitled. I was trying to tell Dana, I'm like, listen, either we gotta learn French quick. I hope this thing has subtitles, but it does. That's so incredible. Oh my God. Yeah, we're gonna have to have you back. We're right. gonna have to have you back. I'm sorry, I'm but so sorry. So I, did, I talk way too much, Sean, because maybe then we'll do no, an you episode didn't. where you tell me about your life. <laughs> it's way more interesting. Well, sure, I'd be glad. <laughs> sure, no. I'd be glad to. Mine is nowhere near as interesting as yours. Mine is probably just, just more sad. But I'd love to do it. Um, but no, don't apologize at all. You've given me the most explosive interview I've ever had. Like, I've never been more shocked leading <laughs> an interview. This is, I'll just call it, this is the best interview that I've ever done. Oh. Like, this is the best interview when it comes to talking about somebody's experience with reality TV and with the industry and like being a content creator and like being in the mix like that like like when it comes to what the purpose of this show is about this is my this, wow this is the craziest interview I've ever thing, done one more thing to drop on you which is my housewife connection which is that my brother dated Joanna Krupa for two years he was a I love Joanna I know so she's like part of our family I was just trying to bring it back to Housewives because now this other stuff isn't really that related to Bravo. <laughs> That's my only hope. Well, my show, <laughs> well, my show was all about reality I, TV. Yeah. And you put the reality in reality <laughs> TV for me today. So you have gone above and beyond any expectations I could ever, ever have. Well, Thank you so much for coming on my show. Of course, of course. We're going to be in touch because you're producing, you know, a D-Girl Diary. So you're on Yes, it. I am. All right. I, Y'all got the exclusive with This is how it started. Official, it's on paper. Yeah. The, the verbal agreement, the first episode. <laughs> no, but yes, like, I am really gonna, like, I'm, like, I am dead serious. I would love to, like, really, like, be a part of that and, like, really stay on you. You, yeah, I really, really encourage you to see where that goes because I, because I truly feel like that is an amazing show and I really want to see that come to fruition. And if I can do anything, even if it's just stalking your DMs, 
Okay. I have to make this show happen. All right. I, that's all I need. I need someone to push me. You know, I have so much going on. I have two little kids and whatever. I mean, everybody has everything going on. You just have to do it, right? Like you're doing what you're doing. You just have to do it. You have to go forward, do your podcast, whatever, and you're doing it. So I got to follow your footsteps. I got to ignore my DMs. I got to be face forward yeah. and just do this. Put my stories out there. Like you put yourself out there. You're my inspiration. Well, I'm a pusher, Katie. I'm a pusher. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> bringing it back okay all right thank you so much sean for having me on thank you so much love let the people know where they can find you where they can follow you all the things you have coming up what to expect from you final thoughts all of that stuff your moms are watching on instagram i'm not on anything else right now well facebook but no twitter or anything so just your moms are watching check out my stories and my highlights you get lots of these little tidbits from my life and just crap and then i have this housewife book out next year i'll let you know it's a trivia book and captain lee's play is gonna be touring the country so look for it evening with captain lee in a city near you i'm telling you guys i have no investment in this i'm not a producer i'm nothing i'm just telling you that is a great night that's all like i don't gain anything if you go to see it but i just can't wait for people to see it and say like wow this guy this man is a legend and he's on our little network and by the way like gets paid nothing and is like the, the red-headed stepchild of, of the network they pay housewives so much more but this man we are lucky to have him on our screens he's not going to be on for much longer he's not getting any younger so i'm just hoping people go see his play and the girl diary coming to netflix in a couple years from me and sean <laughs> yes oh, oh my gosh thank you so good. much this I'll is talk to you soon. this has been an incredible conversation thank we will you. talk very soon thank you so much okay bye 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 love bye All right, everybody, that was my conversation with Thea from Your Moms Are Watching. I'm pretty sure that you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And I hope that you guys look forward to her Ultimate Housewives trivia book and the show that I'm going to join the production team of, D-Girls. Guys, this was this was easily one of the most crazy one of the most exciting, one of the most mind-blowing, one of the most thought-provoking, one of the most interesting interviews that I have ever, ever, ever done. And I want to thank Thea for coming on and giving me your time and telling me all of these amazing stories. You don't know what it means to me and you don't know how much me and my audience appreciates it. Make sure you guys are following her and subscribed and keeping up with all the things that she has going on and that she's going to be talking about because she's going to be on this podcast again and we're going to talk about her career as an assistant and we're going to talk about her career as a developer and writer script developer we're going to come back and do a whole episode just about her career in hollywood but i wanted to make sure that i keep it as related to reality tv in this episode as i could just to get you guys to introduce her through you know the way that we usually bring people on through their reality tv So with that being said, stay tuned, look out, and I appreciate you guys for taking the ride with me.
Make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast and hit the notification bell. Do all of the YouTube thing to the thing to thank the things. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Real Reality Realness. And make sure you follow my hub talent network Instagram page, Talent Group Net Talent Group Podcast. Excuse me. And that's podcasts with with an S. It's just hard to speak in plurals for some reason for me. But Talent Group Podcasts, that's the hub for all the other shows that I'm doing, like Two Pods, Four Walls, Blind Love Abroad, Sean Ellis Rogers is Not Kathy Griffin, Housewives History, and Back to Black Throwbacks. I feel like I may have missed one in there. There was supposed to be five. Anyway... That's where you can keep up with all of the new shows that I have coming out and all of the new shows that I'm doing. I have four new shows debuting in December, and I just can't wait for you to hear the content that I've been creating. Me and CJ, the housewife collector, have gotten together to do a Love is Blind podcast all about the American version. I'm doing a version called Blind Love Abroad that's all about the international version. I'm doing a Kathy Griffin dedication and tribute podcast. I'm doing a podcast that's all about watching black sitcoms. And there's just so much going on. Housewives History, of course, is the sister podcast to Real Reality Realness, where me and my co-host Megan Eady talk about classic episodes of Housewives and all of the HCU HCU news going on on the internet. So Make sure you guys are tuned in. Stay tuned for all of that. Follow me at Sean Ellis Rogers on Instagram and the link in my bio will lend you, will lead you to all of the shows that I just mentioned before. So I love you guys from the bottom of my green heart emoji. Make sure that you guys always be real, stay in reality and always, always bring the realness. I am Sean Ellis Rogers. This has been Real Reality Realness. And until next time, love you. Bye. Peace.